Will Houston soon be in a budget crisis? Why the heck is Lizzo being sued? And how will the November elections actually play out? I'm here with Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz and lead producer Dina Kispa to find out about all of these stories and more as we round up this week's news. It's Friday, August 4th. I'm Carly Ann Jones, in for Rahil Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about today. Dina, Evan, how are y'all this morning? Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. What's up, y'all? Yeah, I'm doing great. How are y'all? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy we made it to the end of the week. That's always a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But let's jump right in and get into the news. So, Evan, let's start with you. What was your biggest story this week? Oh, the biggest story this week is definitely that the trial has started to try to overturn the November elections in Harris County. Here we are seven months later, eight months later, and the litigation has finally begun. Republicans are arguing that the election should be tossed out because they think that votes were miscast or people had the their votes denied. And because of all of this, we need to redo the election. But there are a few big things in this that I think people really need to pay attention to. One is that they could be trying to throw out your vote and nobody will tell you. There are many votes being held up before the court where Republicans are arguing that this vote was miscast. Someone put their signature on it wrong. Somebody had their address wrong. But just because there's a technical error doesn't mean that that wasn't you and you weren't trying to cast that vote. So please pay attention and make sure that you're not one of the hundreds, if not thousands of votes that they're trying to toss out. The other important part that's come out already just after a few days of litigation is that Republicans have admitted that they don't really have any evidence throughout all of this. They put out a website to try to get people to come up and say, oh, my vote was rejected. But in emails between lawyers, they admit that they have zilcho. Uh, (laughs) One email by uh, Mr. Ball, who is a Republican candidate for judge, said, quote, it's game over unless and until we have admissible evidence in our possession. Going to need more than affidavits proving up a case at trial. As of right now, We have mere allegations and a lawsuit. He went on to say that they have zero evidence in their possession at the time. And in his opinion, it's game over. So for the time being, it seems like the whole campaign is just a big conspiracy theory being Mm -hmm. pushed by Alexandra Mueller, who's been a real sore loser out of uh, all of this, (laughs) and gambler furniture salesman Mattress Mac. I think it's time for Republicans to realize that The county's gone pretty blue. And if you want to win, it's not going to be through the courts. It's by convincing people to vote for you. Mm -hmm. So what I'm wondering is, is there actually a way for citizens to go and check if their vote is one of the ones that they're trying to remove from the whole conspiracy theory? Because that's what I'm going to call it. (laughs) I mean, it is a conspiracy theory. There's no real like database you can go and search it. you just kind of have to pay attention and see that if you uh your name or your ballots being drawn up and the real funny thing about it is that they could have bring up your name and you could have voted republican they don't know how you voted it's a secret ballot so they could be accidentally trying to throw out votes for themselves which really gets at how much of a crapshoot all of this lawsuit is. They're just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And there have been a few moments where the judge had to remind them that some of the arguments they were making weren't relevant to this one specific judicial election that the trial is focused on. Mm. Oh, wow. My God. Like you (laughs) said, it's been seven months. So much has happened. 
that I feel like a lot of people might need like a recap as to what even triggered this whole thing. How did we even get here? Mm-hmm. Well, the big problem, and, and admittedly, this is true, that the county did a terrible job running the election. Mm-hmm. Now, the county's always had problems. There were problems when Republicans were in charge, long lines, the warehouse where they stored all the voting machines burned down, ballots were misprinted. Like This is a regular thing when you have a huge county. Uh, But this election was the first major election where we had to have these paper ballots in addition to digital voting machines. And there were problems with the way things were printed. Some places ran out of paper. And when places ran out of paper, folks either had to sit and wait for more paper to cast their ballots or, and this is critical, they could just go to another voting location. Because in Harris County, you can vote anywhere on election day. And there are a whole bunch of locations to go vote. But Republicans had said, well, if this one place shut down, the presumption is that anyone who got turned away didn't get to cast their ballot. But to up till now, we really haven't seen anyone who said, oh, I was turned away and I didn't go vote somewhere else. I know for me, I would show up during early voting to try to go cast my ballot at the location closest to me. I went one time, there's a long line, I'm not waiting around. Went a second time, long line, not waiting around. Third time, the line was shorter, I cast my ballot. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering right, none of these races were actually close. They had like thousands of votes in between them, right? And then Mattress Mac just came with this like website that was like, oh, if you feel like you were wrong. <laughs> I forgot about come, that. Yeah. <laughs> Sign up like, here. As a percentage, yeah. As a percentage, some of these races were pretty narrow, but the sheer number of votes they'd have to find is in the terms of thousands. There yeah, have been no. instances where elections had to be redone, uh, but these are things like a school board in the Valley where like 16 votes were the difference between the winner and the loser. And they were able to find that number of people who cast their ballots who shouldn't have done so. Okay. Mm. See, that makes sense. Mm. But this Mm. other one, no, it's not making sense. But, you know, let Mm. them do as they're pleased. They can wait. They can waste their time in court and all of that. (laughs) But we'll see how it it turns out. (laughs) I mean, my big worry is that no matter how it turns out, you're going to have folks on the other end who say, well, this was rigged too, or this was wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they won't get to a point where they just kind of look in the mirror and say, you know, we're not doing a lot to try to actually get voters to vote for us. We're not doing a lot to appeal to people. And I'd say that Democrats have the same challenge statewide in Texas, but you don't hear them spreading conspiracy theories about it. Yeah, Mm. I agree. I'm going to have to just pay attention and see how that all turns out. Dina, let me know what's going on with you. What was your biggest story this week? I've been following HISD really closely, as I'm sure a lot of people are too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was something that came up in an interview that we did with one of the reporters from Houston Landing, Asher Lair Small. And it was a mm-hmm. story he wrote about specifically talking about the like the special ed program at HISD and what's supposed to happen with that. And he brought up a really good point. Um, and I don't want to spill all the beans because I really want everyone to listen to the show. It comes out on Monday. But like how a lot of parents of special need children are kind of just left in the dark and school is picking up at the end of the month. So like, what's going to happen? Like Miles has come out and said, okay, we're going to raise, you know, pay for special ed teachers and they're going to add more aids to classrooms. You know, principals will have more like on hands in evaluations to special need education related results and all of that stuff. But then one thing that I read that really surprised me was how, how these disciplinary rooms are going to play and factor in because a lot of special needs children, sometimes they act out, right? Mm-hmm. And it could be that you're sending one of them into these rooms 
Mm-mm. without like having that like that thought of maybe this shouldn't happen maybe something else should be at play granted not a lot has been said and miles is saying that key improvements will be coming out september 1st but that just seems like it's pretty late for parents to have to sit around and and wait until they find out what really is going to happen how is it going to change and you know the article highlights how HISDs historically had so many issues with their special needs programs and it mm-hmm. has to also get up to date and meet certain requirements before the state takes their hand off from having control over the district so I, that's just really crazy because I feel like that's kind of been swept under the rug and not not getting a lot of attention when it's something really important and really big that we should be looking at. Yeah. So they have to wait until after school starts before they find out what their children are going to be going through or how the process is going to work. Yeah. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the way it was say, framed is that, you know, Miles said the district will release an action plan for special education that includes like key improvements. This is all quoted mm-hmm. targets by September 1st. And yeah, that's after school has already started. That is crazy. I think that HISD and Texas school districts all across the state have done a terrible job funding special education programs and providing those programs to students, often in violation of state law. Mm -hmm. Uh, And here we are again with an instance where HISD is suffering, the state has taken over, but nothing in the state plan is actually going to improve the outcomes. It's kind of like they wish that just state taker would be a magic wand that suddenly would solve all the problems. But these are hard problems to solve. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really are. It is. HISD is definitely like the biggest story that I feel like is going on as we like approach getting back into Mm -hmm. the school year. Mm -hmm. It was also my biggest story because they have started trying to do a waiver to allow teachers that are not certified to teach and fill these Mm -hmm. vacancies that they had. So I think this is... um, Interesting. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to say it's an interesting concept of like how they're trying to, <laughs> to fill these vacancies because it's like you have teachers that are so dissatisfied with this takeover that they're leaving. And then you have teachers who think that this, the um, takeover was necessary. And so there's like this middle ground of people that, you know, are trying to figure out like, let's, you know, see how it goes. But the idea of bringing in people who basically just went to college, but have no certificate in teaching is not completely new. Like it's something that charter schools are allowed to do, but regular Mm. schools have to submit waivers to do so. And he's doing so throughout the entire district, throughout the 274 schools that we have, he's trying to fill about 600 vacancies with these uncertified teachers. Um, it's 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 kind of interesting. Thought, <laughs> Go ahead. I thought the whole point of this was to raise standards, not lower mm-hmm. them. And it seems yeah. like that they keep on running into these problems that HISD had been dealing with. And then rather than holding themselves to the same standards HISD was held to, they're giving themselves a loophole. They're giving themselves a mm-hmm. cutout. Like maybe we should be reflecting on what these state regulations are. And if our, those are getting in the way of running a big school district, then we need to sit down and talk about those regulations rather mm-hmm. than saying, well, when the voters get to choose the board, it's one thing. But when mm-hmm. Greg Abbott gets to choose the board, it's another thing. Yeah. And it's interesting because Superintendent Mike Miles is actually like one of the first people to get this waiver in a long time. Like he personally got it 
for him to become a superintendent because he does not have a superintendent certification or he didn't at the time when he became the superintendent. So that was the Mm -hmm. first time that it was obtained in the last decade. So we'll see if TEA actually approves this or not. But even if they do improve it, special education, bilingual education, English and second language and pre-K teachers cannot be replaced by people who are uncertified. So everything else Mm -hmm. is up for grabs, but those couple of uh, special educations and language teachers cannot Mm -hmm. do so. So this will be something really interesting to pay attention to because just like you said, it's kind of like, are we lowering the standards just to Mm -hmm. bring people in? in? Are these teachers, are are they going to stay long-term? After they get this job, are they going to be here a long time? Or are you going to just keep them until you can find them a replacement that has a certification? Are you going to pay for them a certification? And all of this, too, is to to fill the gaps that have been created by teachers leaving in the middle of the chaos that this Mm -hmm. board takeover has caused. I mean, maybe they would have been in a better place if they just didn't do the state takeover from day one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Houston's original neighborhood downtown is for everyone and it's poppin'. It's our open-hearted home for our biggest celebrations and our treasured hidden gems. From the world-class theater district to incredible green spaces like Discovery Green, downtown is the place to be. In fact, more people visited downtown Houston last year than the entire population of Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, and San Antonio combined. There's no better time to live downtown than now. From starter apartments to luxury lofts, everyone can take Take advantage of the arts, business, culture, entertainment, food, and recreation. Now, you might think of downtown as only the heartbeat of Houston's regional economy, which it is, but there's so much more to it, including free events throughout the week with Downtown Houston Plus. From the Market Square Park Farmer's Market every Saturday to Yoga Flow every Wednesday, you can find something to do and eat and watch in Downtown Houston. Learn more at downtownhouston.org. Downtown Houston, get energized and revived. Okay, so let's get into our overlooked story. Evan, what story was missed or overlooked this week for you? Oh, I think the big overlooked story this week was the warning by the city controller, Chris Brown, about the Houston's looming budget crisis. For the Mm -hmm. past budget cycle or two, we've really relied on federal dollars to help bail out our problems without fixing the structural budget imbalance. As he pointed out uh, in an interview with Houston Public Media, we've been using one-time money to fund recurring expenditures. Now, the city, much to their credit, has put away about $400 million in the savings accounts, and that will carry us to, say, 2025. But the city needs have grown bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're about to run into a huge wall that we can't afford. And I think that part of the story that really has been overlooked is the role that the revenue cap plays in crunching the city budget. We first ran into this cap in 2015, and it's forced the city to cut its property tax rate by about 16%. And because of that, the city has left a, a little less than $2 billion on the table. That is money that we could absolutely use to fill this funding gap. And where's the money going? The biggest chunk of change in the city budget is to police and fire. That's where all of it is. So do you think the budget needs to be reallocated? 
I think what we need to do is just get rid of the revenue cap. The mayor said he was going to get it on the ballot for the 2023 election. I don't know if it's there, but really the next mayor is going to have to deal these consequences or they might end up where Mayor Anise Parker was when she first got elected. 2009, big financial crisis, cut the city budget. Mm-hmm. And that means layoffs. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good at all. That's not going to help anybody. That's going to make everything mm-hmm. worse. Oh, Lord. I hope that doesn't have to happen. Okay. Dino, what about you? What's your most overlooked story? Oh, man. It's going to be, and I feel bad bringing this up because Lizzo, I'm a huge fan of Lizzo. But (laughs) I mean, this whole lawsuit that she's entangled with, her and her production company, um, she was sued by three former dancers and they accused her of allegedly creating a toxic, hostile kind of work environment. Mm-hmm. And they alleged that Lizzo would push her like religious beliefs on them. And then in one instance, they alleged that a dancer was body shamed for gaining weight. And then she was fired after like recording a meeting with Lizzo. And mm-hmm. that's kind of really bizarre coming from a very body positive like artist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like reading through that. I was just like, no, this can't be real. But then it's just, I don't know, man. We got to see how it plays out because you just don't know. Putting stars on a pedestal, I learned, don't ever do it. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow they disappoint you. Yeah. I'm hoping that this is not true. I really just hope that because it's crazy. I was just like, not Lizzo, you know, like especially with the body shaming thing. Like, no, like that is actually insane but there's multiple people that are filing this lawsuit right yeah there's three yeah i was about to say it's not just one person and so it's kind of just like oh wow like i i hope that's not actually something that's going on i'm trying to figure out like what is the actual cause of action here and I, i admit i haven't delved into the lawsuit but it's not illegal to be a jerk and it's not illegal to be a hypocrite so like what is the like legal action that these folks are taking against her. That's that's kind of what I'm curious about. Is it one of those things where just they were fired and they shouldn't have been fired or the reason why they were fired wasn't exactly on the up and up? If so, that could just be, you know, a problem for Lizzo's HR department. You know, what was their mm-hmm. documentation about why pe- these people were let go? Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of this just feels like headline fodder to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it also claims that they were like there's her, there's sexual harassment allegations. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. racial and you know religious discrimination, disability discrimination, assault, mm-hmm. false imprisonment. Which I'm like, oh, what? What? But they didn't go into detail about it. So like, I don't even. I, I want to dive deeper into this and like learn more about like what. Where's the false imprisonment part? Like, I'm curious. Oh, that's crazy. A lot of this just feels like that Lizzo and the Lizzo crew were trying to act like they were a bunch of friends and family and doing wacky stuff Correct. and like weird sex yeah. tours in Amsterdam yeah. and, you know, being like kind of friendly, <laughs> but also rude with each other. But yeah. when you work together, yeah. like you're not a family. Like I love mm-hmm. my coworkers. They're great. But like there's a real difference between professional settings and like friend and family settings. And when you try to make one feel like the other, it's a mm-hmm. recipe for a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was reading uh, the Houston Chronicle article about, you know, the whole Amsterdam thing where they went to, mm-hmm. out to a club and, you know, there was like chants of like, you know, Lizzo and whoever it was chanting saying like, oh, grab that person, you know, uh, naked body and all that stuff. That mm-hmm. does seem like something a family would do. Like if you were out with like your girlfriends and stuff, but these are people yeah. she employs. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. about family doing that either, though. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Not that's not a family thing. <laughs> Maybe girls like, girls out. Girls night. <laughs> yeah, you got a boys' night out. You got a girls' yeah. night out. You're doing some stuff. Like that's one thing. But no, don't, don't pretend like don't your employees. <laughs> don't pretend <laughs> like your employees are your you know are are mm-hmm. your friends like that. You can't have that type yeah. of relationship. The power yeah. imbalance is inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of more so what I see it as. Like that just sounded like a bachelorette party or something crazy (laughs) like that. But I definitely think that it probably was her feeling more comfortable. Like these are my friends Mm -hmm. and thinking Mm -hmm. that she could cross these lines. And then it got turned into this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll, of course, we'll see. You never want to like make anyone feel like what they're, what they're going through is insignificant or anything like that. But we'll, we'll just see how it ends up going in court. Um, My most overlooked story this week is something that kind of made me happy when I seen it. Houston got ranked number two behind New York as the best place for things to do for Gen Zers. And the reason why this <laughs> made me happy is because my friends are always complaining that there's nothing to do in Houston. <laughs> and I'm always like, no, get on TikTok. First of all... <laughs> <laughs> we have everything that everybody else has and more. There's so many people in Houston that get creative with businesses and make things make things that start off interesting already. And we just put a creative spin on everything. Like the other day I was mentioning that we have a rage room. It's not just a rage room. It's a rage room you can paint in. So it's just mm-hmm. like there's so much fun things to do in Houston that people just don't realize. So I want y'all all to get on your phones, get on TikTok, go look up all the great events that we have, all the great like creative activities and just get involved in the city because apparently the people outside of the city see the greatness. They see that we are number two <laughs> for things to do. <laughs> oh yeah. I, love that. I mean, Houston has tons of stuff to do, but it's not like the big brazen things that people think about. It's not amusement parks, you know, it's not big historic sites, but it's kind of like the regular things that people do for like the 6 million folks who live here. And you Mm -hmm. think people live here and they just kind of sit in their living rooms all day. Like, no, there's an entire city built up around them, but you're not going to see it on billboards. You kind of got to know what to do, where to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree completely, because if you go outside in Houston, Houston is so big. And what I realized is that as long as I've lived here, there's still so much that I've not seen, have never seen. There'll be places Mm -hmm. where I'm like driving Mm -hmm. to go meet somebody. And I'm like, I've never seen that building before. I've never seen that. So get out and get involved in the city for sure, guys. Okay, let's move to some joy. What brought you joy this week, Evan? Oh, what brought me joy was seeing that Food Not Bombs was found not guilty by a jury in the first feeding uh, lawsuit uh, by the city. The city years ago made it so that you cannot provide food to people on property without permission of the property owner, and that includes public property. But Food Not Bombs has continued to provide food for the homeless near the downtown library, and the Houston Police Department started after years handing out tickets to people. So they fought this first ticket and they won. They won in front of a jury. And it just sparks joy to see juries making decisions on moral grounds and on legal grounds. That when you serve on a jury, it is up to you to decide what is right and what is wrong, what is guilty and what is not guilty. And I know that sometimes people, they get those jury service notices in the mail and they want to throw them away. They don't want to go. It's, it takes all this time. You have to drive downtown. You have to park. It's all this stuff. But no, this is an important moment of justice and you get to decide what justice looks like. 
I loved that when it happened. Like we had Nick Cooper on who volunteers regularly for mm-hmm, years. Yeah. And I was just like, yes, finally justice for them. Yes. I know there's like few more of them that still have to go through the process. I'm not sure how many, but I'm just, this is the first, hopefully, of many wins. As someone who volunteered with Food Not Bombs in college, I'm just like, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully, mm-hmm. like, they keep they keep putting the pressure on and they keep moving forward and keep doing it. Yeah. Now, now yeah. I do think that, and I've, I find myself in an interesting position here, I don't necessarily disagree with the underlying law that if you want to do something on someone's property, you need permission, no matter mm-hmm. what that is. But at the same time, when the state hands out punishment, it falls on a jury of peers to decide whether that's just or not. And sometimes seeing this whole process come together uh, is heartening. Mm-hmm. I'm with yeah. you. I agree. I was really happy to see that, too, because I hate that people are out here trying to do good for the community and are getting like basically a slap on the hand for it. I hope that they get all of them dismissed, honestly. But like Evan said, I also honestly understand the law of like being on people's property. But if they're just downtown, and they're just trying to feed people and help them out. Like, let them do it. There's so many other things that we need to be actually chasing down and concerned about as far as like our laws go. There's so many people committing actual crimes. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just my little one, one, two rant. Um, okay, <laughs> Dina, what about you? What's bringing you joy? Speaking of like just being the best at things, the Institute for Rehabilitation and Research, it's a nonprofit that has served our patients. It's in the Med Center since like 1959. We have been named the best rehab hospital in Texas by U.S. News and World Report's annual best hospitals ranking. Holla. I love that. I love that. It's pretty awesome to see us kind of being recognized. And the Med Center is amazing. That is great. That is super amazing. Mm-hmm. And the hospital was ranked fourth best hospital in the nation, by the way, for rehabilitative care, which is incredible. Go Houston. Okay. Okay. My moment of joy is that we've entered August, which means we're getting closer <laughs> to fall. And I'm so excited for fall. Like, I love summer. I enjoyed summer. It was great. It was too hot, though. Way too mm-hmm. hot. Like, I mean, we broke some records this year. <laughs> yeah. And I think this month is still going to be pretty hot. But Soon as September, like September is approaching and that means we can do pumpkin patches and we can go outside without wanting to like cry or get mad or <laughs> uh, just scrunch up our face <laughs> as soon as we walk outside because it's just crazy. Like, oh my God. So that is my moment of joy. We're getting closer to fall, finally. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like the hottest part of summer is like in September when the yeah. rest of the country is starting to cool <laughs> off. But it's still so hot here. And you're like, I've done it. We've done summer. I know summer. When does the cool weather get here? But it's still like in the 90s. Like you're seeing all the stores start to put up their sweaters. You're seeing like Mm -hmm. the pumpkin advertisements going up. You see the Halloween decorations going up. You're like, Halloween? Like, no, I'm still swimming. I'm still going to the beach. What the heck? (laughs) It makes no sense. (laughs) Evan just busted my bubble. He's like, Carly, no. (laughs) He's like, girl, it's gonna I, be hot. I gotta be with Evan. I gotta <laughs> be with <sorry>. Evan. <laughs> it doesn't get cool yet. <laughs> yeah. Not I gotta like, wait a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. I guess I'm gonna get cool till what? Like, Oct- like the end of October? Like end of October. Yeah. Oh, and sick. even then, I remember like the sweatiest I've ever been is like wearing my <laughs> Halloween costume as a kid. And it's like, it's like 80 degrees and it's like the sun is set. What the heck? 
Yeah. I remember like Thanksgiving when you're being really humid and gross. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. dang, and even in November? Yeah. Jeez. So yeah. yeah, sorry, Carly. I mean, I feel like it's such a tease whenever like places put up the Halloween decorations and I'm just like, can we not? Like, I can't get yeah. in the vibe. I can't get in the mood. <laughs> it's just all an illusion. Okay. <laughs> Well, they busted my bubble, y'all, but we still had a good chat today. So thank you two for being on. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks, y'all. See y'all later. That was Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz, lead producer Dina Kespa, and me, producer Carleon Jones. If you want to dive deeper into these stories, just check out our show notes. We have all the links you need to all the articles right there. That'll do it for today here at CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is me, Carleon Jones, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our host is Raheel Ramzanali. Our newsletter editors are Brooke Lewis and Natalia Aldana. And our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with more great shows. So until then, have a great weekend. And in the words of Raheel, I hope you learned something new. Bye. I feel like I should do a countdown now because their hill does it. So I know, right? Do <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three, two, one.